Hey, what's going on, everybody? It is episode 114 of the Audible Farm podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Couchtown Coffee. Couchtown Coffee is roasted right here in Iowa, and when you make an order, they roast your coffee specifically for you and then ship it to your house. That's awesome. Go to www.couchtowncoffee.com to make an order. You can find all the coffee they have there as well as brewing tips. And I'll tell you what, one of the other cool things about Couchtown Coffee is if you make an order, you can make an order uh, and save 20% by entering the code word Audible Farm. So enter the code word Audible Farm when you make an order. It lets them know that Audible Farm sent you there. So check it out, save 20%, and uh, enjoy the coffee, everybody. This episode, I'm sitting down with John Waugh and Clint Wheelman. They are uh, the two guys that are next to me in Three Finger Betty. The only person that's missing is Jeff Furch. Uh, Jeff played his last show with Three Finger Betty not too long ago. We actually discussed that in the podcast, as well as Three Finger Betty's new EP that has been released. We are in the process of getting that bad boy sent out to all the distribution places to make it available to stream. But as of right now, it's available on Bandcamp, and uh, that is as of the time this production has gone out. So uh, I'm we recorded this a little bit early. We're talking about it as if it just got released, because it did just get released. But by the time this episode comes out, it's going to be a little over a week ago we released an EP. So check that out. It came out on Election Day. Heck of a day to have an album come out. So... I was pretty stoked about it. It's the first one I ever played on, and uh, I gotta say hats off to these two gentlemen that joined me, and uh, also a hat off to Jeff Furch, who is not here. Without you guys, I wouldn't really be on this wild ride I'm on, so uh, hey, I really appreciate it, you guys. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I'm sitting down with John Waugh and Clint Wheelman of Three Finger Betty. It's the Audible Farm Podcast. With your host... Peter Stockdale. Today I'm sitting down with Clint Wheelman and John Waugh. Clint and John have both been on the podcast before. Um, I share stage time with these guys in the band Three Finger Betty. Uh, There is one member or past member of Betty that is not with us today and it's Jeff, um, and when I say not with us, I mean that in not a he's gone, gone sense, but he's, he left the band. He's in good health, yes, still yes alive. very, very well, good health. <laughs> but yeah, we and uh, the Betty Camp recently released a new album, and I think that's pretty awesome. It's the first album I personally have ever been on. Um, not for you guys, but definitely not for it's, Clint. Yeah. But uh, let's talk about the new album. We got uh, Three Finger Betty, self-titled EP, just came out on Election Day, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the thought process behind having an album come out on Election Day? Well, uh, I, I, if you uh, want to listen to the lyrics, yeah, I think it's uh, a lot about... It's not necessarily directly political, but it's basically about what a shit show everything has seemed to become. Yes. And yes. you're just like, what, what, what yeah. is going on here? Yes, inspired by recent developments. Yes. Yes. And the, it just, it's like it just keeps getting worse. It <laughs> definitely does. It just feels like uh, bad decisions compounded by other possibly worse decisions. Like, <laughs> it just keeps going over and over again. And uh, that's probably one of my favorite things about Three Finger Betty, uh, lyrically, I don't write the lyrics, John does, but um, 
you know, it's just one of those things where I think to myself, this is kind of generally how I feel about it. It's like, this sucks, that sucks, this sucks, that sucks. And you just kind of <laughs> look at the way everything's going in the world. It's like, I don't know if I agree with like the majority or the minority. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with any of this. And that's kind of where like the lyrical value comes into play on, on most of your songs. Uh, yeah, I'm not trying to choose a side necessarily. I got my opinion. That's good enough, but it's a song. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of just like, I, like I said, it's like, okay, here's this mess. Mm-hmm. Like, what the hell is this crap? Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> um, if, if, if somebody, wa- I don't know how people react to it. You can react to them however you want. You listen to some songs. This, uh, the way everybody's so divided right now, they could listen to a song and see me and you dumb liberal. I can't stand you anymore. But the, the next person could listen to it and be like, you know, have the opposite reaction. Yeah. Like, you know, you're, you're going after Trump in this song. And I'm like, oh, actually, I wrote that back when Obama was president. So yeah, I don't know what to tell you there. <laughs> I also thought that was kind of funny though, too. It's like you, you, the songs are just open enough to interpretation and also like some of them at face value, like the song great again, people like if they just see the title great again, they're going to think Trump supporter. But then when you like listen to the song and read the lyrics, it's like, this guy is, this is almost just like an anti the current way America is song. Yeah. Not necessarily. Way, yeah. yeah. It's not necessarily anti-Trump. It's just, man, this is like pretty messed up the way everything's been going here, you know? And I don't know. We uh, released the album on election day and it seemed like a pretty good day to release it, honestly. <laughs> These are the six, like the real angry, the real angry songs. Yes. To, to, to steal a line from uh, the great comedian Bill Hicks, like if you wait for us to record more stuff, dick and fart jokes are coming. <laughs> They're coming. <laughs> that's hilarious stick around yeah i mean that's some of the other fun thing i think about this is uh the band as as three finger betty like we're pretty easygoing i mean obviously like some of the song material might be a little angsty but we're pretty easygoing people for the most part like you said dick and fart jokes (laughs) and it's not like that's all we do or that's the only thing we've got going on but it's you know we want to laugh we want to have a good time we're not we're not out i mean even though we are taking pot shots at the general populace um, <laughs> it's still kind of like we are part of the general populace as well yeah. so we also see where we fit into it all you, you gotta laugh at yourself yeah exactly it's time to uh not be so uptight <laughs> <laughs> the new album um actually starts out with the song great again i think that's the first song on it if i recall correctly um on the ep and there are a few songs on there that are are duplicates i want to say uh they live we sleep is a duplicate and maybe let the flames rise would be a duplicate. And those might be the only two. Uh, I think pitchforks and torches might have been on the old demo when we were there, three of us. Yeah, I'd have to I'd have to double check. I wasn't. If, if it was, it was a brand ass new song. It was at the time um, that song, uh, and we recorded War for Breakfast for that demo, but it didn't turn out right, so we didn't put it on there. Yeah, that's right. But oh, those cool. two songs at the time were both brand new. I'd just written them. And, like, we hadn't even really arranged it yet because the old drummer was stepping away. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah, and the first studio demo was, like, right about the time, Clint, you joined the band, right? Yeah, I'd yeah. only been there in there for, like, two or three months. Oh, dang. We went in. Jesus. Oh, man. So what was the thought process behind, like, you guys went in and you two with Jeff, the, the person who played bass on our newest EP as well, mm-hmm. um, 
went into the studio, recorded an album. What's the thought process behind we're going to make a an EP, like uh, I guess you could call it a quote unquote more official album than a demo. And uh, what was your thought process on duplicating a couple songs? Was there anything like, oh, these need to be re-recorded because they weren't good enough in the first place? Or is it something like, as a four-piece, we could change the way this sounds and make it sound different? Or mm. just fit the theme of the album? Or Well, adding, adding a second guitarist uh, brought a lot into it. And it changed the songs. Yeah. So we kind of needed to re-record them. Yeah. Just uh, having that second uh, part. It's true. I mean, I'm not going to be like toot toot. Um, me in there made it made it better, but it's just different, you know? That's <laughs> it what made it, it a lot fuller. Uh, I, like, the, in the instance of They Live, We Sleep, I, this is, I, again, I, I don't like to toot toot either, but I'm like, that's a good fucking song. Yeah. And, like, a proper, like, a couple of those, like, there needs to be a proper, like, mastered recording of this and that's nothing against the demo it was great but mm-hmm. it's not as good yeah, yeah. it still kind of remains one of the the flagship betty tunes uh yeah very much so i mean it was like the second song on the studio demo and it's the closer mm-hmm. on the new ep yep. which um i guess if you've seen us play live we almost always closed with drunken church but as of late we've been starting to close with they live we sleep here and there and it fits, you know, like it's a it's a banger of a tune. It's it's fast, it's a little thrashy, a little moshy, you know, it gets the crowd pumping and stuff like that just the same way Drunken Church did, you know, to close the set. So And we got the second jam song out yes, of it. Yes. Yes, we're working on the second <laughs> outro jam to close. We got the, the three four jam now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's so fun. That's like one of the funnest things about joining Betty was like you know, I first started playing guitar, I wasn't you know, I obviously wasn't very good, but as I got better, I was like, I listened to a lot of jam tracks on YouTube and jam around a lot and things like that. And then it, you know, Clint put the bug in my ear about possibly learning some tunes and showing up to a practice. So I did. And then I found out you guys do jams at the end of every song or at the end of every set. And it was like, oh man, I'm going to fit in fine here, you know, cause this is, this is what I like to do. You know, this is my jam, you know, not, I guess it's pun, but you know, very seriously though, it was kind of cool to, to be like, oh, I get to actually like join up with these guys and just play stuff off the top of my head and fart around. It's not all just like cold calculated, fast paced, super tight punk rock music. You nope. know, it's put a little bit of music theory to practice. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the songs written, but I, I've never written a guitar solo yet. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> they just happen. That's true. That's true. So oh, yeah, that's we, how I do it. We came to a point in the recording of the new record where we did, were deciding whether or not we wanted to rip the solo live when we were doing it all as mm-hmm. a band or just to play the rhythm and then overdub the solo. Yeah. And we still chose to do the solo live for yep. that very reason. Which was different from the demo. If I remember right, we recorded a rhythm track and then I overdubbed solo yes. that time. Yep. And I like it the way we did it on the EP better. Well, I think it, it was a little more pure. Yeah. For the, for the demo, I think uh, you were still kind of coming into your own as a lead player. So I think you might have had a little less confidence to rip it out <laughs> live. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, three years, four years of experience ripping solos out live, you know? Definitely. It shows. That's Please for stay sure. in key. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty fun. Um, I, I'm pretty sure you're right on the studio demo about the double tracking where you tracked a, a rhythm guitar and then 
dubbed a, a solo on top of it. Um, but, I mean, like as we were saying before, if you get a four-piece, you already got somebody playing rhythm. Might as well just record yeah. it live on the fly. Plus, the I, there's a huge difference in vocals from the demo to what we just did. Because... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not a singer. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, that's the other thing. It's like, uh, I think about that where it's like, well, if you didn't sing, it's not like I can be like, well, well damn it, I'm a great singer. Let me sing. <laughs> like, that's not the case either. So I'm totally okay with letting you have the reins on the singing. That's for sure. It's, now it's fine. Yeah. Although we listen to, we if, if we ever uh, make a compilation of live material, some of the stuff we listen to, we listened to one the other night where I hit this phone. It was so off key. I'm just like, just, delete that delete that <laughs> never that never happened throw it in the garbage <laughs> so the new ep for anybody listening uh wondering where they can find it it's available on Bandcamp at the moment mm-hmm. that is the i would say like the only place there is only one uh, other place it's available on reverberation yeah. as well you'll get better quality on a band camp yes um as well as the ability to purchase it as an EP for cheaper. Um, I think on Reverb Nation, the only way to purchase it is song by song. So if you guys are looking to stream it, that's where you're going to have to stream it is Three Finger for Betty. For now, yep. yep. Threefingerbetty.bandcamp.com. Uh, and you can buy the whole album for five bucks, or you can get each song for a dollar, which comes out to six bucks for the album. So so it's cheaper to get the whole album. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> buy five, get one free, running that Three Finger Betty special. No promo code required, ladies and gents. No, we uh, we did recently go through it. We overhauled a bunch of our social media. We changed our uh, our logos to the new logo. We're we're doing that whole like slow switch over mm-hmm. or, like new generation of Betty or or something. I don't know what you want to call it. I'm learning how to use Instagram. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> if you guys have been paying attention to some of the three finger Betty Instagram stuff, John's been dipping his toes in that a little bit. It's been pretty nice to allow somebody else to take over the reins of a social media platform because. Um, I mean, Clint doesn't even use social media for the most part, so I really should, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, like it's, it's pretty nice to, to not have to worry about it. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll sit out and schedule some things out here and there and just let it auto post. But I love like, Oh, John posted a picture of his guitar after the set or something like that. You know, it's really nice to see that. Cause it's like, yeah, I don't know. I didn't have to do anything and somebody's promoting our stuff. This is nice. Um, but social media is kind of a. God, it's one of those things that's like a necessary evil, unfortunately, especially if you're in a band. You almost can't get away from it. And then it can suck. sucks a lot of time away before you know it. Yeah, that's true. Well, I'm sure you're like me where you're like, I'm going to go post this thing about the band. And then before you know it, you're looking up like freaking taco casserole recipes. Something. You know, and it's just like, what is going on? Like, I need to just quit doing this. But I'm just like, somebody liked our band. Who is this? I don't know who this is. Oh, they're in this band. I've never heard of this. Uh, Yeah. And then, oh crap, they're one an hour. Yeah. (laughs) Doing the whole like slight networking thing on social media. It's like, I better, yeah, okay, go follow them. I follow, yeah, all that shit. (laughs) I, I took me a long time, but I finally taught myself just to do it like once a month or so. And then it's like, just let all the friend requests pile up because, you know, being on a podcast, I get quite a few. So it's, it's like nonstop, and then it's just like, I'll just next month I'll look at these two hundred friend requests and see if I can figure out who these people are. <laughs> you can remember who they are. They're and, we'll, in. and then we'll add them up, and we'll figure it out from there. But other than that, um, anything on social media for Three Finger Betty, you can find us Three Finger Betty at Three Finger Betty, Facebook.com slash Three Finger Betty. Same with Instagram and Twitter and Bandcamp and Reverb Nation. 
Uh, those are the big five as far as the social media platforms we use. There are plans to get the new album out um, on streaming services, yeah. you know, worldwide, I guess, just like everyone else. But we recently parted ways with our previous distributor for our, you know, studio, studio demo. So if you're like wondering where did all of it go, um, it'll be back. It'll be yes. back. Transition yeah, back. period. So we're uh, we're working on that. We're gonna get the the studio demo up, and we will also get the EP up, but. Like we said earlier, for now, if you're looking to listen to the new EP, you can listen to it free on Bandcamp. You just, you know, go to any of our social media and click the link and boom, there it is. Available to be listened to for free or purchase. It's up to you. Otherwise, we will, uh, we do have plans on making a physical copy, though, yes. don't we? Yes, yes, it's coming. It's been a, between COVID and, you know, uh, we won't go into uh, uh, the uh, company we're dealing with. I've, let's just say I've resent many an art file to them. And yes, the, many iterations. The, the delay is not the actual vinyl discs. The delay is the printing of the cover they go in. Oh, man. They keep submitting the wrong artwork. That's happened three times. Oh, rough. And, I, and they then I get an email, hey, this is wrong, and you haven't updated it. And then uh, last time it happened because they wanted to charge again mm-hmm. and i said no you've i've sent it and i found the email and i sent a screenshot to the company and it's like there i sent you the correct file on this date you have it yeah this is not my fault that's i think it's one of the things a lot of people forget about is there's a big runaround that goes along with yeah. trying to put out physical copies of things if you don't own your own pressing yes. material of any sort and of course we're doing this in the middle of the covid and yeah. And on a, a format that isn't quite so common, the 10-inch. Yeah, 10-inch yes. vinyl. Yeah, and it's, I don't, I'm not doing too much in the business aspect of putting it on the vinyl. That's more of you guys' uh, running things. But if I'm correct, this is like somewhat of like a worldwide attempt to get this thing done too because like the companies aren't all just like it's not just being printed in iowa or like across the u.s we're dealing with a canadian company and like our test pressings came from prague oh yeah (laughs) so yeah who knows where they're printing stuff yeah yeah. so that's the one thing i think is pretty crazy about this is we got this little band from iowa that wants to make a 10 inch vinyl and all of a sudden it takes people from three different countries just to get it into our hands yeah yeah oh, and, and we we looked for a lot of companies because a lot of companies we ran into and maybe we just should ask some other people we know instead of just being antisocial and looking on the computer <laughs> but like everybody like the the comp the guy who mastered it he he's associated with a company in california and they turned around and i don't how much sense does this make? They're like, well, you only want a hundred and we'll do a hundred discs, but you have to, but it's 500 covers minimum. What are we supposed to do with 400 extra record jackets? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like crap like that. And yeah. then another one that was very reputable. They just straight up our minimum is 500 copies. Okay. That's fair. It's right there. That's your policy. Yep. We only want a hundred. Thank you for your time. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing a lot of people don't, think too much about was like i did see the the invoice for this and i you know sat down and calculated it all out as to how much each record was cost and it's not like 
the record itself is the thing that costs a lot of money. It's like the time and energy it took to like get the thing recorded and then like do all the testing and then pay someone to do artwork and all this other stuff. And it's, it's all those little ancillary yeah. things that are boosting the cost of what was, you know, each album to us. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of rough. I mean, you can make records relatively cheap ish, but you can, but, it, but, but like you said, once you gotta record it, pay somebody to record it, you gotta get the artwork and pay yeah. somebody to do the artwork. And like, once you stack all those things in there, it's like, this isn't a cheap process. Yeah. And some people have all that can do all that in house. Somebody in the band is a painter and they can make the covers and somebody else can do the engineering and mastering, but mm-hmm. it's not always the case. Yeah. I mean, Honestly, it's not that we couldn't do something like that. I've talked about it before on the podcast. I mean, obviously, I'm recording us talking, but that's ludicrously different than recording instruments. And what I'm doing is ludicrously different than mixing and mastering an album, you know. And I can do graphic design, but go to the Audible Farm page and look at my graphic design. It's not the greatest, you know. It's The artwork but, is somebody else made for me, you know. Yeah. So we could we could have done it, but the effort we could have put forth with just the four of us at the time and uh wouldn't have been we never talked to this but if we can drop some breaking news maybe (laughs) we'll do a song in-house and see what happens (laughs) Uh, and this isn't an insult to anybody but part of this too and you might feel this way like for this one this is like the official like no we're spending money on this this is going to be done well Mm -hmm. um having somebody else master it who didn't record it and mix it, I think was really smart. That same with, uh, commissioning the artwork. I like, yeah. you know, it's sort of a cross promotion thing. Yeah. Like it's nice to get Ben Hall's name out. It's mm-hmm. nice to get Tanner Saltzman name, yeah, Saltzman's name out. Exactly. It's just, everyone's benefiting by, you know, making it a, a community instead mm-hmm. of just keeping this close knit yeah. group of only people you know yeah you, we have our house artist and that's you true know, here's our engineer and, and i mean we've been we've been all about like kind of spreading the love around as locally as possible we went we've done you know two different local to des moines t-shirt pressings from two different companies you know and we're trying our best to just like i said spread the love around get somebody else to do the artwork for us i mean you're an artist kelsey's an artist yeah. but why not have somebody else do it, you know? And like you said, sometimes it's better the farther away from, like, home base you get with this stuff, the better off you're going to be with, like, the honesty about how it's going to get done. Like, you know, if you were in charge of recording, maybe the drums are louder, you know, or mixing. Yeah. You know, I'm just, not that that's going to be a thing, but just throwing it out there as an example. If Ben's doing it, you know, Ben Hall at Speed of Sound Studios, you know, he's going to do it the way he thinks sounds best. And like, maybe he wants to mix and master it a certain way, but we could send it to somebody else and let them do it. And Exactly. There's, there's something good about uh, having someone who's not necessarily into heavy music being on the controls like that. Cause you kind of get the best of both worlds as far as they kind of get from us what we want to hear as far as making it sound heavy. And, you know, they have their prior knowledge of just making it sound good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the other thing I think is pretty crazy about Ben was once we started working with him, I started looking through how much stuff he's done, and it's a pretty wide berth of music, to say the least. Mm-hmm. So he's he's done a little bit of everything as far as recording-wise, and I even did a podcast with him. If anybody mm-hmm. wants to scroll back, it's like, I don't have my phone, but it's somewhere in the 50s, episode 50-something, I believe. But, uh, yeah, it's Ben Hall. That was... You know, that was a good painless experience. We recorded, um, 
I don't know what the style you would say all at once. Well, like live style, yeah, live, or live yep. to track, basically. Yep. Yep. Yeah, aside from vocal. Yeah, and I mean, we isolated our our amps out and had headphones and the whole nine yards. Um, we were in the room with the drums, but still, it was. Uh, but our amps weren't, which yes. was probably smart. Yes, um, and we, you know, I think it was pretty cool. We ended up. I, th- I know at least one song. I can't remember which one it was, but I know at least one song. We did a single take, and it was just like that's the one. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it felt very Iron Maiden-y, you know, from, like, me and Clint growing up listening to Iron Maiden, it was, like, what, Moonchild. Yeah. That's, yeah. like, one-take wonder, live-to-track style recording, just like we did. And I was like, that's pretty <laughs> neat that we pulled one of those off, you know. And, and even with like, the other tracks, um, we'd, like, get partway through it and, I'd like, flub a fill, and then we'd just stop it. Yep. Like, so I think... None of them took more than three. I I want to say, like we'd get through an entire take of a song and i don't think we turned any of them down like if we got all the way through the song we kept it yeah 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 i recall one song starting out and uh i don't know exactly what happened i can't remember but it was something to the effect of like my guitar volume wasn't at zero and john's playing an intro and i like turned around it was just like honk (laughs) like like just right at the beginning of the song and i was like no no stop we need to stop and restart this i know he could have just muted my my line of you know but it's still like i was just like nah we need to we need to get this perfect from the get-go and and that was really fun to record that way i feel like that way um captured a lot of the feeling that we have live like a lot of the energy that we bring live it's it sounds like us yeah yeah and it's not that you know recording isolated track after isolated track is not a way to make it sound like us but we also did at one point in time uh, attempt to record this album through a different studio uh, using a metronome isolated track one at a time. And um, we don't have any like copies of that available because it's not something we bought from somebody. I do have some of the, um, I guess I would call them like mix downs, but uh, it's a very different feel when it, we're tagged to a metronome. And it's not that we're all over the place tempo wise anyways we don't like accordion back and forth in the middle of the song at all but when you put it all down to a metronome it's it ends up being i feel like very blocky and i feel like it robs some of the energy out of what we've got going on that's unnatural yeah it's completely different uh set of circumstances doing it to a metronome yeah it does take away a lot of the natural feel yeah but it's it's good to use i guess our music isn't complicated enough to really necessitate the use of track by track like yeah. it's really it was good for Metallica to yeah. use back in 1983 or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're just loud and straight ahead. Yeah. It's I guess it's good for people that like yeah, that want to make a recording that isn't necessarily indicative of their, you know, the level of playing style cuz you can track by track a recording all you want, you know, make a 13-minute song, mm-hmm. piecing it together bit and bit at a time, then you, you go and do it live, what are you going to do? Yeah. I feel like that's why Metallica did a lot of medleys. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I can see that. And I mean, like, that's something that, and I'm not trying to put down anybody in, in Unity, but you can watch Sean write solos piece by piece and then trying to pull them off in one oh, fail yeah. swoop is is very difficult it's tough yeah you you end one run really high up on the neck and then the next run starts way down at the other end of the neck and it's like man i should have thought this through when i was thinking about playability but 
I mean, the crazy thing is Sean can actually do it, and that's a testament to how ludicrously talented yeah, it, Sean is. It takes but, a hell of a lot of focus, for sure. Oh, my God, yeah. And, uh, I mean, once you get that intricate, though, too, you got to start using Guitar Pro and, and slowing things down. Mm. And, and, I mean, it, it takes it to a whole nother level. And it's not that this isn't, you know, complicated music. We're playing, you know, basic chords. We're playing fast tempo. Uh, not It's not like we're throwing, you know augmented minor flatted third you know just like a couple suspended thirds that's about yeah, it not <laughs> much going on in the crazy chord category uh, unless you're listening to sunshine but it's i always thought that was something crazy about this though too was like when i joined the band it was like well i know how to play all these songs because i sat down and learned them but it's different getting like tight with the band you know like that's a whole different that's like a whole different ball game as being that tight as a band yeah you can tell who the basement shredders are yeah. When you, you know, get, bring them over to play and, you know, they can rip in front of a camera on their own, but they, they're kind of a fish out of water when there's another band around them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't realize it was that different being around like a group of musicians and, and playing. I recently talked to somebody who, who sings and they were saying that like, they don't normally sing around other, like a band, but like, so they do like karaoke style. And they said, it's so weird when you put a whole band behind you and they can just play exactly as the karaoke track would have been but it's still like yeah. weird because it's, it's a different, different. yeah it's a different <laughs> thing um i mean that i'm sure that's no different than like what we're doing in the basement versus like me going to a jam night you know when i went to my first jam night i was like we're playing this song i, I was practicing the tabs all week you know or like i was i was listening to the the recording and playing along with it and it's like what well, a jam night none of that matters yeah. and then they play it in a different key yeah <laughs> <laughs> And that does happen sometimes, you know, at jam nights, actually. People, oh, I know the song, I know the song. Well, I know it in A, well, I know it in B. And it's like, okay, we're playing it in B flat, I guess. Like, we'll be in the middle somewhere, guys. No, no. <laughs> I always thought that was some of the funnest things about, like, you know, playing with you guys was, you know, as tight as we ended up getting. We played, like, almost, you know, 30 or 40 shows the first year I joined the band. And um, some of those live recordings that are out there, well, we recently took a bunch of them down. But some of those live recordings that are out there are insanely tight sounding you know um i guess you can find a, a few of them on the audible farm uh, youtube channel there's videos but uh otherwise um clint you've been like recording almost every set we've had with your live recorder you know um i guess i mean you've done that for every set you've played in with every band almost you know? yeah pretty much yeah and depending on the room and depending on where i place the recorder the the quality varies, and uh, more often than not, get better recordings at like the lefties and the muse and like the places with that you know mic all of the instruments, including the drums. Mm -hmm. And that way, you can put the recorder on the opposite end of the room and get a good get a good sound. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, playing places like Hole in Fremont, it's just you set the recorder up at the front of the stage and hope for the best. Yeah, <laughs> and most of the time, it's just. All you can hear is my drums, and then everyone else is just very faint in the background. It's, it's, it's really hard to judge a room uh, as to where to place the recording device to get a good sound. Yeah, especially those venues that don't, like, mic up the entire thing or don't have, like, a soundboard or, you know, and, like, Hull has one. They've got, you know, a soundboard, and you could mic everything up there. I've seen people I've seen do people it. I've seen people do it. Mm -hmm. It's... It would take a lot, but it is Yeah, possible. they're not going to help you. You're doing it on your own. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I mean, like, Fremont, same deal. You might have to bring a little bit of your own yeah, gear I don't know, to pull that, it off. That little 
thing they got. But it works. Don't get me wrong. I don't know. But like you said, Clint, I mean, there's a big difference between going to a place like that and the sound you're going to pull out of the room or like lefties or vaudeville, you know, like the best part about going to those places is it's like, sounds good. Like I don't have to to do a damn thing. I just turn on my guitar and they do all the rest. And and it's pretty nice. I've always enjoyed going to shows like that. But there is something I also enjoy about the live sound, like stage sound only, you know, Kind of, kind yeah, of deal. a lot of people can become dependent on, uh, on a sound guy having a nice sound setup. Yeah, and like if if you put a dude who uses triggers all over their drums in the Fremont, they're gonna they're be shit out of luck. Yeah, so I've seen uh, saw a guy playing once at Hull, but they're not mic'd. And this the band, the lead guitar player. I mean, he was shredding and tapping, couldn't hear a note because they didn't have it. Right. Oh. I mean, you could tell the guy was just wailing, but you couldn't hear him. Yeah, yeah it's, you, it's kind of the thing on show day. Sometimes you get too excited. Yeah. <laughs> like, you skip the most important yeah. step. You yep. just want to get yeah. to No, playing. make sure you can hear everything. Yep. I mean, I've talked about that with other people, too, on the podcast. Like, oh, forgot to tune my guitar. <laughs> it's like, you know, you get halfway through the first song, and you're like, oh, my bad. Like, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Play the first note, and my snare's off. Tonk. <laughs> We, you know, we've actually like gone through and talked about a few of those things like live stage sound and, and making it as good as possible, I guess. Because if you're sitting on the left side of the stage at a place like Hull, you might not be able to hear like anything that's going on on the right side of the stage. For a while, we were circumventing that with extra speakers. We would do the whole like mm-hmm. split a cabinet behind Clint and almost stereo-ish our sound off to help out a little bit. And I mean, I've... The older I get, I'm saying that as the youngest person in the room right now, the older I get, the less I want to drag gear around. And I'm saying that in front of a guy who has a 47-piece drum set. So so I don't know. Like, I just kind of got tired of dragging gear around and stuff to shows. Plus, like, depending on the place where you'd go, like, I recall going to a few places with sound guys, and they were just like, what the hell are you doing dragging all this shit everywhere? And it's like, this is the stuff I want to use. And they're like, yeah. you know, well, we're not micing that thing. It's like, I don't care. You know, it doesn't matter. It's It's whatever, I guess. But... I have had one or two sound guys be like, what is this? What, 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 what are you yeah. And I get it. Like, there's a big turn recently to lower stage sound as much as possible. So that way it only comes out, you know, front of house, like through the front stage speakers. But we're coming right back to that's not always a luxury we have available to us in the can't, places we can't play. can't turn them drums down on the stage. Exactly. You know? Yeah, like that, that works for the kind of bands that... Don't require rocking drums. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, though. I do have to say, though, like having been, you know, I have played before you joined Unity. Unity was almost all digital. Like yes. we would go do practices. The drums were triggered. Everything was digital, sent to in-ear monitors, the whole nine yards. So I have like dipped my toe in that and and seen what that's all about. And that takes a lot of. Set, I mean, setup time first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Like, it takes a lot of knowledge to know how to do all of it. Secondly, I mean, you could just keep going down the list of the difficulties that are involved with getting it done. So it's nothing to like, you know, turn your nose up at or be like, oh, these people that are doing digital in ear, no, you know, stage sound type stuff. It's not that it's bad. It's just different. It's a different thing. You know, it's, yeah. it's completely different. Um, you being a drummer, I could obviously see where your quorum might be the fact that it doesn't sound as um true to the drums i think the drums are as far as digital are probably the thing that are the farthest behind it's the final frontier like they 
they're making good headway on it, but they're still nowhere close to doing like one to one, getting all of the subtleties and the intricacies. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's gonna be a while. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can, I can just imagine as far as like hitting ghost notes and things like that on exactly. a trigger. It's not, they're not all always there. Like even with triggers, you have to like program the ghost notes basically. <laughs> oh my god! So it takes so much time. It's t- so much work just to get it to sound. Almost real. Yeah. I mean, I remember back in the day, they didn't even have dynamics. It was just like, you hit this thing and one sound came out of it. Now that at least they have some dynamics to the Mm -hmm. drums and things like that. Yeah, and it's like a mesh pad, so you got, Mm -hmm. you know, the the rebound. It's not just a rubber thing you need to whack with a stick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's nothing wrong with that either. I mean, I guess... The other thing I think about is if if you got something and it works, go with it. You know, if that's the only drum set you have, well, I'm sure you yeah, can, you, can, you know, if you live in an apartment, that's the only choice you got. Yeah, and beautiful choice you have. Just run it. You know, it's it's more compact. You'd be able to bring that to shows too, and just plug it in just as much as anything else. You know, so I mean, if that's what you have and that's the only thing you have to use, we're not turning our nose up at it by any means. Exactly. Yeah, I just I'm speaking completely as a like traditionalist. You know. 20, Keep, 20 keeper years. of the flame sort of doing the shit that nobody wants to do anymore because yeah. technology and stuff yeah plus you you know 20 year plus drummer or whatever i guess you could say you're about a about a 20 year drummer on the scene now so shit. i think it was beginning of 2000 that mr miller taught us all how to play the drum set yeah i wish <laughs> wish i would have learned how to play the drums john do you play drums at all i mean i i, I can do like a Real quick, four four hip hop. <laughs> Sounds good. You're That's hired. about it. You're hired. For my new project. You're hired, Clint. You're out. <laughs> I, I, I need more regular access to a drum kit because when I when I have a drum kit that I can play with like twice a week, I, I get better. But uh, that's, obviously, but <laughs> dude, that was something that was crazy because like there's a drum set um, here and I I bought it and I first started like. I just put songs on on headphones and play along to them regardless of how good I was. And it was pretty wild how good I got, how fast I got. But then, like, when I didn't play, it was pretty startling how crappy I got, how fast. You know, it, it yeah. went away at least as yeah. fast as it came on, you know. Um, how do you, I mean, I've always, I haven't talked to too many drummers, but I've always been kind of mind blown by it. Like, how do you, how did you figure all this stuff out? Or was it, when you first sat down with Tim Miller, was it like, dude, I'm I'm killing this? Or was it like... Oh, I don't I have no clue what's going on. Um, with Tim, he just kind of sat us down and showed us the rock beat and showed us the swing beat and kind of just didn't really give us a whole lot. Showed us what a fill was and the concept of what a fill was and, you know, the right place to put a fill and what to do with it. Yeah. And not really much else direction after that. He kind of just let us do our own thing. And I had already been into music you know, old school rock and roll and stuff. So I just kind of took to it. Yeah. And uh, figured out that a lot of the practice you can do it in your mind, just uh, going through songs, just, you know, flexing that song memory muscle, I guess. And mm-hmm. another one is just tapping your feet, tapping your hands, <laughs> no. and just getting the. Getting the sequence down in your head, and then when you get down on the drum set, that's when you can actually like build all of the muscles it takes to do the thing. Yes. Uh, but yeah, a lot of it is mind work. I, I'm saying this as a person sitting in a room with Clint uh, that has a concrete floor. Like <laughs> I've been hearing it like most of the podcast. It's, it's something that never leaves you. You're always kind of like <laughs> yeah. doing the drumming and 
uh, on your th- on the top of your knees and things like that. It's it's been you know we've hung out a lot in our lives, and that's been something like I'd say ever since we graduated high school. It's been something you've been doing a lot of is the the odd like drumming on your own, like you'll do it in the passenger seat of a car and stuff. And it's, mm, yeah. it's pretty awesome. I uh, I wish I knew how to play the drums. Um, I wish it was easier to just like osmosis your information into my brain, but unfortunately, <laughs> it takes practice, and that's what we're getting to here. <laughs> You guys also, uh, as far as music-wise, you guys also spend your time playing guitar and drums in the sleepover as well, not just the Three Finger Betty camp. So uh, you guys recently had an album come out with uh, Sleepover this year, I think it was, earlier this year, if I'm not mistaken. If not, it was late last year. I want to say it was like May or something like that. Okay. But uh, that'd be Pajamas in Public. John, were you on that album at all? or? Uh, I wasn't in the band yet. I do play one guitar solo on the album, though. All right. For uh, Why People Die. Is but, that like how you ended up getting your foot in the door, I guess? Um, maybe, and but I don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. And then, then it came along that Emery said something about looking for another guitar player. And initially I said, no, cause I don't have the time for this. But mm-hmm. then as far as shit kickers go, Jeff went back to college and Kale's got his own business and his full-time job and all that. So I'm like, I kind of talked to them and I'm like, well, if that slows way down, yeah, I can do this. And then it, it looked like I, I had time to do it. So I did it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, not having time to be in a band that you want to be in is a tough place to be. Um, I had somebody recently ask me to you know, swing over to their house and play some guitar with them and play some like metal kind of stuff with them. And I was like, oh, this is going to be so cool. You know, Unity doesn't play very many shows, oh, yeah. if at all, anymore. And I kind of got that metal itch. So let's swing that direction and see what goes on. And um, it's not like I'm in a million bands, but like I do the jam night thing. I'm going to school. I got your guys's, you know, the three finger Betty thing. Um, I started playing bass a little bit in another guy's band and like, it's just, I don't know if I got the time, man. Yeah. And it sucks. It really sucks. Cause I really wanted to hit this guy up and yeah. play guitar with somebody new. And if I it, had time, I'd be in four and a half bands or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, oh God, I wish I had the time and I feel bad not being able to do it too. Especially like sort of being like, I want to do this. Let's try and make this happen. And then all of a sudden it's just like. Well, it's been like three or four weeks, and I've had to cancel plans. Like, yeah, you just can't. I just can't. I'm sorry, you know. And I, it sucks. And Clint, I'm sure you've gone through that too. You know, playing drums in 476 <laughs> bands over the last 10 years or so, and even doing one-off shows with bands, which I think is wild. Being a drummer that does one-off shows, I mean, it's probably it's not that, like it's. I don't know. Drummers are a weird beast because it's not like you have to learn note for note things and things like that, but you still have to learn structure and rhythms and patterns i guess it depends on the nature of the the set that i'm doing a one-off for like uh doing 90 minutes for what's his ass dude from italy lives in minnesota oh yeah the david reese thing yeah doing an hour and a half one-off show for that that for free yeah (laughs) That, that that's entirely different than doing 25 minutes with the silverbacks yeah yeah oh true very true yeah Oh man, um, that was a that was a wild thing too. To first off get invited to to play with David Reese, who played with, who sang for Accept uh, and and Bangalore Choir, um, you know, getting invited to do that, and then realizing like 
after spending months of practice time, it's like, oh, this might not happen, you know? Yeah. Logistically, it's not really looking feasible. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, he even had travel issues, which was a rough deal. And we ended up playing that festival with Unity anyways. And mm-hmm. it was great festival, good yeah. fun time. And, um, you know, I was... I'm not against playing with David Reese. I would love to to get the opportunity to do yeah, so. Yeah, some cool um, material. Yeah, it was tons of fun. That was the other thing, like, hearkening back to Sean Jovi, you know, having him... He's been one of the people that's helped me get my chops up as far as being a metal guitarist. You know, he's always sending me stuff, and unfortunately, my computer up updated and i can't use guitar pro 5 anymore oh, so yeah. like i can't go through <laughs> that and that's usually what he uses so it's unfortunate but it's fortunate you know and um it's it's crazy that you can go out there and be in that many different bands um do you think that like did emery ask you specifically or did you did you and emery sit down and be like we should bring in john for a solo on this or like how did that all go down when it came time for you to actually be recorded on on that song I feel like Emery just approached John. I don't think he... he yeah, yeah, I don't know if somebody twisted his arm, but yeah, I, I think one day he's like, hey, would you come in and drop a solo on this? Oh, cool. So I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and uh, Ben, Speed of Sound, he, he recorded that album, so I just showed up at his house. That's the first time I think I met him. Oh, cool. And we just, we ripped it, and I was like, do you like that? Emery liked it, and... Pitten's like, you want to do it again? And I'm like, do you like it? I'm like, yeah. No, we don't need to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is also one of the fun. I spend, spend more, you know, you spend more time getting there and setting your stuff up. You play 10, 15 seconds. Okay, bye. Yeah, yeah that is the funniest thing ever, too. You're showing up to just to play a solo on one song on an album. So it's like, I mean, at longest, this is like 30 seconds worth of playing. And if you do it once, it's like, well, we're done. Like we did, well, that's, it. you know that's that's the goal. That's the goal, you know, is to build up the chops to the point where, you know, you set up for four hours and then bang it out in thirty minutes. Yeah, that's it's true. Like when we recorded it, that's like I said, what nothing took more than three. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like we had the six songs done, like, like that. Like, like it's easily within an hour. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that is the preparation meets opportunity kind of deal where like. I'm not trying to be like, hey, but we've played enough empty-ish venues on Tuesday early shows, and that's just practice for when it comes time to sit in the studio. And when it when it came time, we could hammer it out, you mm-hmm. know. And like I said, some of that comes down to the fact that we've played so many of those shows with ten or twenty or you know less people in the crowd on on a random weird yeah, those weird Wednesday nights. Yeah, Man. I mean, but there was a while there where we would t- we wouldn't take no. F- we like didn't if, say no. Yeah, if it, if it was just like, you want to play, yeah, sure, we'll play that show. It's like, what? when is it? It's like, well, it's the you'll be in the 5.30 slot, like I said, on Wednesday, when people aren't even off work yet. It's like, don't care, we'll play. You know, <laughs> whoever's downtown will come watch us, and when they do, that's that's it. It's good enough, cool. You know, and we'd play with touring bands, and we'd play with local acts, and it didn't really matter. We'd just kind of mm-hmm. just play wherever we could. And I, I feel like uh, while we were going through some of those old live recordings that we had i was like god dang we were so tight back then not that we're not now but it was just like we were faster at the time (laughs) which is kind of funny we slowed down yeah which we're getting old (laughs) (laughs) well i mean that also comes back to like if we're playing if we're practicing once a week and then playing at least a show a week a month yeah you know back when it was three a month minimum yeah yeah we're playing like three shows a month and it's you know you just eventually get super tight at playing stuff it's like well there's the only way to get 
you can't get any tighter. Let's just get faster, you know? <laughs> like, so that's pretty much what it was, too. Um, some of those shows we were listening to, though, like, we did notice, like, if the heavier and faster the bands that was, like, the headliner, the heavier and faster we would play, you know? Yeah. And it's, oh, yeah. It's uh, not, like, you know, that big of a difference from one set to the next, but it was it was still noticeable to us but listening to stuff back to back. Usually, depending, like, if we're going to play with uh, Night Demon or <laughs> when we played with Bewitcher, you know, I'm like, they, like these guys are heavy. It's, yeah. It's fast and loud, and they're tight and technical. It's like, we got to put, like, the really fast, heavy stuff on this yeah. set just yeah. to keep up mm-hmm. you can't go play kent the creeper opening for <laughs> bewitcher <laughs> sorry yeah. oh man i'm gonna play caught the dragon yeah um you know here's but some here's sunshine sunshine yes <laughs> we're just open it and close it with sunshine no i uh i think it's so as far as like playing with bands like that i think it's pretty cool that we can actually like fit in with you know like the punkier punk or like the heavier stuff that's leaning on like some of them you know more metally metal you know um some of my favorite experiences not because we had a huge crowd at the club or whatever is when we're on a bill with uh there it's happened a few times uh we've been on a bill with some metal bands who like three finger bendy what are they oh they're a punk though they must suck you guys play this you're you where you play you know they want us to play when they want us to play and stuff and it's mm-hmm. just like you can just tell they're like you guys they're just gonna be terrible yeah and then halfway through the set everybody in that band is just watching yeah they're just all huddling up like talking with each other trying to discuss how they're gonna oh crap they're better than we thought they would be yeah i mean that's some of the the downside of categorizing us as punk though because i mean like maybe a lot of people think about punk from an outset and they're like these guys suck they're playing three kind of does imply a lack of ability Uh, i've never understood that because yeah a lot of people you say the word punk they assume you can't play yes uh Go listen to some Bad Religion albums. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's different styles <laughs> you know, of punk, though, too. Like True. And I'm not trying to crap on any bands because people like everything, I, and I get it. But, like, the Ramones. Yeah. Like, three chords. It's like, yeah, it's a uh, rock and roll band. Yeah, yeah. They're not really... Like, the Ramones and Bad Religion are two completely different styles of punk. Very true. You know? But they come from two different eras. And you could say that about a lot of punk, you know? Like, we're more offspring punk. You know, yeah, we're not. I mean, I'm not trying and, to say that. And if you really want to get into it, you know, there's it, cow punk if you like country music, but mm-hmm. you just play it loud and fast, you're gonna get into all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, old school pop punk, old school punk. Yeah, and there's so many different gutter styles. punk, hardcore, and, and oh god, hardcore, <laughs> hardcore shows are some of the craziest. That's one of the funniest things is seeing people in the crowd while you're playing and watching them go nuts and it's just like oh my god these people are going crazy and you know we've been at shows with some hardcore bands and watch people just moshing their brains out at shows and it's like this is insane you ever think you were going to see somebody moshing to some of your songs that you're writing uh, <laughs> to be honest i'm surprised it took as long as it did there's a couple of them like like get up yeah i mean <laughs> like and and then then you in your brain as you know you're it's like well they're not moshing because they think we suck <laughs> bingo yeah yeah they must hate this of they don't they like this. this they're waiting for us to get out of here <laughs> but no it's happened enough now that uh that uh okay i can we've we've had enough mosh pits i'm happy now yeah yeah, yeah. but it all it, without the use of the skank beat yeah 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 there's definitely a couple drum beats that are just indicative of that but 
But yeah, but there's there's been some where, like, I couldn't believe a, a pit didn't break out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, oh, well. let's give Jeff Furch a little shout out here. Um, Jeff was the bassist in Three Finger Betty uh, through the entirety of me being in the band. Uh, Clint, Same here, yeah. Clint as well. When we when we started, we didn't have a bassist, so he is was the original bassist. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Oh dang! So it's even a little bit more painful to know that he's that he's gonna scoot out of here. Um, I'm gonna miss him, that's for sure. He's he's just yep. got his. It's not like we're never going to see him again. No, he's got, you know, life stuff going on, which honestly, like life stuff is life stuff. And what we're doing is runaway hobby stuff. So like, I get it. You got to take care of life stuff first. Um, You got to do that. You know, especially if you got, he's definitely of the three of us has the most demanding job time wise. You know, he's, he's spends the most time working. So I get it. I get where he's coming from. I get some of the concerns that are going down. It sucks. Like, uh, it's nice to have him around. You know, I always bend his ear about like my guitar tone or like I'm working on a guitar. How do I fix this thing? Or like if anything didn't work, he just fixed it. Yeah. Yeah. And never. <laughs> oh, once crap. Asked. I forgot this chord. Oh, I got three of them in my bag here. Yeah. He always, always, <laughs> always was prepared. That was like one of my favorite things. Uh, sucks because I think I'm going to have to carry the baton on that one. Just means I'm going to have to drag a little bit more junk to the shows. But I'm all right with that. You know, like, uh, it was nice to have somebody there, like you said, that we always had, like, an extra XLR cable or something like that. Or if you wanted something weird, he also had that. It's like, I want an XLR to quarter-inch input so I can play harmonica through a microphone into a tube amp. And he's just like, I got it. Like, <laughs> I got two. How many you need? <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, you can't hear you singing. Oh, give me a second. Oh, here's a real cheap tube Pre-app. preamp just go through that <laughs> yep and it'll make your voice clear and I, you know it's nice to have people around that know that kind of stuff because it's not like we're not technically you know advanced people i mean i've i've obviously got you know a computer within eye shot of anybody watching the video of this but like you know i can fix guitars and stuff but it's so nice to have somebody else to bounce the ideas yeah. off of and i'm still gonna bounce ideas off oh, yeah. of them <laughs> you can't avoid that one no but. no we have his number we can still text him yes <laughs> yes um it's but you great. know huge shout out to jeff he was always one of those behind the scenes corner of the stage in the dimly lit area kind of guys that didn't want to stand out yeah. and be noticed but he was always like one of the more important behind the scenes <laughs> he liked to hide yeah like, he loved playing in basements so he could hide behind a support beam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we played that one show in Minneapolis. And, That's what he did. Yeah, I mean, he was like behind the water cooler most of that show. That was that was tons of fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just got to give a shout out to Jeff, uh, you know, definitely before we get to the end of this episode, because, uh, you know, it's kind of weird, like, joining a band. You don't think you're going to, like... M- meet anybody and i hadn't met jeff i'd met you at pro wrestling mm-hmm. shows john so i like i knew who you were a little bit but i'd never met jeff before and then you know you end up buddying up with somebody that's like i met this person through music which is pretty wild and they ended up becoming you know one of my buddies as far as you know in the grand scheme of things the the older you get the harder it is to make new friends mm-hmm. and things like that and it's kind of cool that you know i made a f- friend through music and it's becoming a little bit more common these days for me to do once you get in the scene it's a little easier to make some friends but it's also kind of weird it, in the music scene you don't always get along with everyone no either. but it's it's nice to meet friends and it's not like maybe you meet somebody where every weekend what are you doing let's do it but but then you run into him in town hey what's up yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah at least becoming familiar with the other people that are out there and about you know and um 
I'm sure you know everybody knows everybody knows Clint by this time. Like I said, Clint's been he was in Dark Mirror for almost ten years and doing the Betty thing for almost five years now, and uh, many other bands around the Midwest since you know and in between those times. So it's pretty cool to be able to to meet people like that. So shout out Jeff. I don't know if you're listening to this episode. I hope you are, um, since you're the only one in the band that's not on us. not here but uh i asked him a few different times to sit down and do a podcast with me and he politely declined as seems to be the case for most bassists and i don't know uh, why I, i'm amazed we ever got a picture of him <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true oh man and i think the only reason we did is because we just took him when he wasn't looking <laughs> <laughs> true true yeah he would, he would definitely hide if he had the choice um he was always the guy wearing like Oh, we're playing a Christmas like or a holiday show, and he's got like a Rudolph hat on or something yeah. with like lights. He's, it was always just such a goofball about everything, and I loved it. Um, definitely didn't take himself too seriously, which is one of the other favorite things about hanging out with him. Because I mean, we do take what we're doing seriously, but we're not like, dude, we're the greatest band in Des Moines, and everybody needs to stand up and take notice. You know, it's not we're, no, no, no. <laughs> No, we're we're good, and we have a great time doing what we're doing. And uh, what are you doing here? You didn't buy any merch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. buy our merch. Buy my book. <laughs> buy my book. Speaking of buying things, the EP. Well, I'll say it again. Is available for purchase at threefingerbeddy.bandcamp.com. Physical copies. Uh, it's got to be two, three weeks. Yeah, it I mean, can't be any longer. Once again, that's the worst part about this is being. Like, you have such an indirect relationship to everything that's going on because you're going through somebody else who's talking to all the people. And I'm doing this through emails. <laughs> yeah, and so it's like, man, I'm so far away from where the actual work is getting done and I can't actually be 100% specific as yeah. to when this is going to come out. Probably going to have to do that differently next time. That's true. I mean, some of this, like, every album can be a different adventure as to who you're, you know, we can record with somebody else next time. Or, you know, well, we can... hopefully there's like a, a local option for 10 inch yeah. vinyls. Hint, we hint, local Des Moines people. Yeah. We should have we looked dug deeper and we dug pretty deep. Yeah. But I, th I also think it's weird that, like, <coughs> we're in Des Moines, um, based out of Des Moines, and there's like a lot of resources available to musicians there, but it also feels like there's a giant lack of certain resources there for musicians you know yeah um and i uh, what comes back to i get it i get it like we, if you were to open up your own vinyl pressing place in des moines how much money would you really make yeah i get it but like at the same rate like side job for somebody you and know, maybe somebody's something. doing it we just don't know them that, that could very well be too because i mean that's the other thing and is there's Des Moines bands got records out. They had somebody had yeah. to press them. Just yeah. makes me wonder if you know we play the wrong type of music or we got the wrong type of name. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know, and I mean, there's there could be some of that too, though. Like uh, nepotism does play a factor in certain things. You know, as far as knowing the right people, um, having the right name or the right look or you know a certain type of sound that people being are marketable. For. I guess. Yeah, I mean, there's all those different things that come into play a little bit, but. At the same rate, like, uh, I don't really feel like there is a, a very high quantity of people in Iowa supporting music as much as, you know, maybe give some other places, you know, it's, I'm not trying to say it doesn't happen, but like, even, even supporting music, like we all do, we were discussing this earlier, where uh, we, we put a, our new EP on Bandcamp, and I went through and was looking at like past sales and stuff and found out that. Christian Day had bought most of our um, <laughs> catalog from our band camp. And I was like, you know, Christian Day runs the Iowa Basement Tapes. 
And so I was like, well, that's pretty cool. He's got this radio show, kind of like what I'm doing, but he plays songs from Iowa bands from like the 70s until now. I mean, it's insane. Yeah, He's got the, get. He is the biggest catalog of local music I've ever seen. So he'll play stuff. And I was like, well, if he bought stuff from our band camp, there's probably a good chance he played it. And so I hunted it down and found it. It was like, this was just last year. How come I didn't know that this existed, you know? So, like, there can be something that's happening, like, even in our own town, and we don't even know it's happening, and it involves us. Yeah. You know, so, like, that's kind of the weird thing about the music scene is it's very not tied together well, I think. You know, there's not much... Yeah, there's not really... There's nothing in the realm of, like, talent representation. Like, all of the... Everyone has to hype own. themselves. Yeah. So if someone's got an inferiority complex, sorry, Jack. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that was some of the f- best part about using the Three Finger Betty Facebook page was like, we would promote other bands because it's like, I don't give a shit. Like, we're not playing this weekend. Like, go go see, see these Eleanor's. guys. They're yeah. cool. Yeah. Go see the Sleepover play. I mean, we share a couple members with them, but, you know, and that was something that we would use our page to promote not just our stuff, but our, our friends' stuff. And oh, I think yeah. there needs to be a lot more of that going on as far as... You know, in the punk scene, it's starting to build a little bit, I yeah, feel like, I, in Des Moines. We got, uh, after, since releasing the album, we've uh, got to give a shout out to uh, all the people that shared it for us. Oh my gosh, Morbo yeah. and Greg from Up the Monks did it. Yep. Uh, um, I, if my phone is currently being used to record this, otherwise I would look it up and tell you yeah. everybody that shared it. Um, a lot of people did, which yeah. was uh, very appreciated, very nice. Yeah, I mean, people were sharing it to groups and yep. to their own pages, and uh, really appreciate that. It's you know, this is the first go around for me. I've never, I've never released anything. I've never been on a recording. Um, I wasn't on the studio demo. I joined after that. So like. I mean, this is the first first time I've ever even been recorded on anything and, and had you, you my name a, tied to anything. You have like a permanent this. record now. Oh, <laughs> man. For now, forever and ever, if people go online and search my name, they're going to find Three Finger Betty stuff. No. Mm-hmm. no, and It's, it's going to cost you a job someday. Oh, probably <laughs> will. Might, might have already done it. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, the things that cost people jobs are insane. I've actually talked to a lot of people about that kind of stuff having recently gone back to school and discussing it with people pretty weird stuff um we'll we'll let it go though yeah um but i i i do think there's a little bit of support that's kind of starting to build in the des moines scene for the punk people i i feel like i'm not trying to say like the podcast is doing it i feel like a lot of people are grassroots finally just starting to do it themselves uh people are enjoying being around other people i mean heck we our shows are even being attended by more people from other bands when they don't have shows going yeah, on. It's, I mean, some of that might also be like people list, missing live music and it's just like, well, if you couldn't go out last weekend, go out this weekend and see these guys. And if you couldn't go out this weekend, go out next weekend to see them, you know, it could be a lot of people just saying there are opportunities to go watch live music. Yep. It's and it's always back. nice to see people we've never met before at a show. Oh gosh, yeah. That's that's a thing it shows is it's always the same people. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, not that there's anything wrong. It's just wrong. nice to see more. It's hard to get Yeah. And now with fucking plague and yeah. paranoia with that, it's gonna be hard to get people to come out unless they already know you or your friends. Well, yeah. Because a couple of our regulars won't come to shows right now. That's true. And, I mean, I'm okay with that. Yeah. they, they got to do mean, whatever they're going to do. But I also think there's, like, a, like a weird thing. God, I, I was going to go somewhere with this, and I forgot where I was going with it. But, no, there's been a little groundswell. Like, you know, if we start naming names, there's us, there's America Cheer, there's the Eleanors. 
Yeah. Um, Kobe Murray's still trying to keep something alive. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, the scene's not like huge, huge. I get it. And I also get like, you know, punk and or rock and roll style music isn't for everybody, especially in today's day and age where everyone just wants to play Call of Duty and listen to beep boop music. But there is a weird like generation gap. Like the there's the forty ish year olds that have punk bands in Me. Des Moines and then like the twenty ish year old bands. Mm-hmm. There's That's, nothing nothing in the middle there. No. Uh, I'm guessing the younger ones had cool parents who listened to all the old school punk bands. That could be. And that's where they got it. Maybe. I was actually... Like seeing the Astro Bastards play a Dead Milkman song. Like, that song was recorded 15 years before any of you were born. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Yeah. But uh, I, I do have to go back to saying thanks once again to Christian Day for playing oh, yeah. our tunes on uh, totally. Iowa Basement Tapes. Um, I hugely appreciate you playing our tunes on, on your show last year uh just we, tell us next time. we no. just figured it out now but uh <laughs> uh you know the crazy thing about that was i've listened to a couple episodes of his show and was like this is a cool show and then i sent clint i sent you a link to one of them from i think last week or the week before I, I just started plowing through all of his episodes and i was like dude this is a really really good show um the quality of music on there is really good and things like that so if you guys are looking for something else i'd, I'd highly suggest checking that out you probably might have the ability to hear somebody you might know because I'm I I haven't looked oh, yeah. at anyone else other than us, but there's I almost assume there's a lot of people we know that have been on on that show as well. Well, if uh, he goes back, you know, as far back as he goes, there were a lot of cool bands when I was 20, 22 mm-hmm. in the nineties that he might have some stuff on that I, don't exist anymore. I almost guarantee it. I'll uh, after we wrap this up, I'll show you like where to find out all the stuff. I can show you like I found his. His blog, and then you can just search his blog for band names, and it'll show them all there. So it's it's pretty awesome. Um, I do also want to while we're while we're here, I do want to call a few people out for like. Uh, there's been a lot of people lately saying like we need to support local because of you know obviously the plague, um, but there's also the whole like I want to go to live music people, and some of those people are the same people, and and they don't go to live music shows that are local live music shows. So I think it's really weird that people like want to support local and want to watch live music but aren't willing to go to a local live music show. And is, is there like any irony in that online? Because I, I have actually called a few people out for it and they are not usually not too happy about it. And I get it, but like, <laughs> I mean, you don't have to go to my show. Go to someone else's show. Go see Riddled with Class. Go see, you know, any of the bands up yeah. here in the, the if, local if you, area. If you don't like loud music, go see, There's go to a coffee house and watch somebody play folk music. Yeah. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that because I go to jam nights and play leads on folk stuff. So, like, I'm totally cool with anything. Just go watch something. I don't know. But uh, I, I just think that's kind of weird. There's a lot of that going on these days. Um, but that just seems to be the way the Internet's going. A lot of people are, you know, throwing blame and shade at everyone else for yeah, problems just, that are in their life. That's how social media works. <laughs> this is very true. <laughs> <laughs> we got to realize this is a very vocal minority on social media. Yeah. That's true. That's very true. I forget that a lot, though. Um, and that's one of the things that disheartens me and makes me get off social media every now and then um but like we come back to being in a band it's almost a necessary evil you know if we never posted anything online who would know our stuff's no, on band nobody camp? would know it existed nope. yep. exactly there's a balance and the reason for that is because like the flyer game is almost dead these days like I was, that's sad because flyers are, can be really cool yes <laughs> i was discussing it 
uh, while I wasn't discussing it, I found somebody asking about flyers on Facebook. And I know a few people that still do hang flyers, and I see them very often. Um, so, like, they they exist. People still use them. But, like, as we were discussing on this uh, Facebook post, it was pretty much just, like, your options are, like, laundromats, gas stations, like, places where people are a lot, a lot, you know? Like, and those are... Maybe maybe your only options these days. Like, there's not really, like, you can't fly your cars or stick them in a parking lot. There's or, like, only a handful of, like, music stores yeah. in the town. Yes. Because I, I still do flyers, but I've backed off. I probably do five or six. Mm-hmm. You know, take them to the record stores and the music stores. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's, you can put them up at Hy-Vee. They always have a community board or Casey's, but I don't know. Ooh. Speaking of flyers, um, <laughs> we're gonna bring up the Iowa basement tapes again. Um, Christian, you're getting a kickback, right? Uh, yeah, I'm actually getting paid for, getting paid for all this promo. Now, Christian talked with Travis Atkinson, who uh, I've talked to on the podcast before, but uh, they were discussing doing flyers in like the '90s and 2000s. So, like, if you guys are wondering about like what it was like. 10, 15, 20 years ago to hang flyers. You had to cover the last person's bad one up. <laughs> Pretty much. It was they fierce. Were, they were everywhere, you know, and people did a lot of it, you know, to the to the tune where people would drive to other towns and hang up flyers in other towns because it's like, you need to come see this in the t- next mm-hmm. town over, yeah. you know. The utility and, pulls still have, you know, all the staples in them Yep, yep. From 20 uh, years ago. That was a big deal in Fort Dodge. There was a couple of them where they would very frequently have signs hung on them, you know. And When I was in college in Iowa City in the Ped Mall, and they're still there, I think yep. people still use them, they had these big, tall blocks mm-hmm. spread out mm-hmm. all around it, and that's what they were for. Yeah. Hey, this is tonight. This is this yep. weekend. They're still up in Ames, too. Yep, they're still in Iowa City. Mm-hmm. When we played our show in Iowa City, I drove down there a few weekends before and plastered that place with signs. But that's also a weird thing, though, like venues. Like venues won't even hang signs. Like, yeah. They won't even hang a sign for a thing that's going to be at their own venue, you know, or, I mean... They'll put you on a marquee, which is great. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, you know, Yacht Club had a nice poster slash digital thing on their window. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's so. and that's cool. And it's not like every place... It's not like we're just like, oh, everybody's bad at doing this. But, like, I, I do recall playing shows and going to the venue with flyers and being like, here's flyers and having specific flyers printed up to hang in the front of a window, not just like some piece of paper we photocopied. Yeah. And being like, here's this for you to hang up, never gets hang up. You know, and it's like, this is rough when I drove like a long ways out of my way to do this, you know. And that was like one of the first times I realized the painstaking process that goes along with... Um, hanging flyers was that trip to Iowa city where it was like, I'm going to hit up every music store, every pawn shop, like all the gas stations I can. And I, I hit up like everywhere. I went to the ped mall and, and just plastered everything in the ped mall. By the time we went there for our show, nothing was still up. And it's like, man, this is rough. This is really rough. Yeah. But it's, it's kind of how it goes though. You just uh, have to keep grinding, you know? And that's one of the reasons I guess, as far as with the podcast, I'm such a big fan of stickers, a little bit harder to tear a sticker down, I guess, you know? Yeah, you, you pretty much have to keep doing your thing and hope that eventually people will get bored of DJs and electronic crap and <laughs> want to go back to where it all began. Yeah. yeah. That's sad, though. I, I guarantee you there's been a dip in sales of instruments like that. And, um, I mean, I did see that they were sales were up during COVID. Well, that could be. Maybe people are bored. And, people are bored and they ordered a cheap guitar yeah. online. Yep, exactly. Correct. We need more people learning instruments. Uh, yeah. We just need more talent in the pool. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing. You got a band, you guys want to play a show with a, a punk rock and band, and you guys want to open up the show? Like, hit us up. We'll play yeah. with you. I mean, I, to this day, I, I, it's never happened. I would love to play with a hip hop artist. Oh, yeah. I think that'd be cool as hell. Yeah, find a way to mix the show up like that. That would be really cool. I wonder if there'd be a way for us to bridge the gap with a hip hop artist, you know, like bring us all together and do something together, yeah. like collaborative or something for the next That'd album great. or whatever. That would be pretty sweet. <laughs> have so, a have a breakdown where somebody freestyles. Oh god, that would be so awesome. Make some sort of anthrax public enemy sort of song. Dude, I'm game. I I do actually know a few uh I know a guy who knows a bunch of rappers in the state. I Maybe we'll put out an all points bulletin for this one. Oh man, uh, Coleman, Coleman McAllister, if you're listening, hit up some buddies. <laughs> Send them Call all. Call me. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, you're in. You're in. So uh, we're, we need to get this done. <laughs> but yeah, I, if anybody's want, you want to play with us. If you can hit any of us up directly, do it. Fa- get a hold. Message us on Facebook. Here's another idea I've had that I I absolutely love that I feel like we would be perfect to pull this one off, and it would be. Uh, Anybody want to do any covers? <laughs> like, I want to cover local band songs more than anything in the yeah. world. Um, so, like, if there's anybody that ever wants to do a Three Finger Betty cover, hit us up. Yep. We'll send you all the info. You can turn it into whatever you want to turn it into. And uh, trade us a song, you know? Because we... I, I think it'd be super cool to just start covering it, it, local acts. This songs. keeps getting talked about after shows in parking lots. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, this... Some kind of local, we cover each other thing. Yeah. I, I think we can will this into existence. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, Cheyenne from the Eleanors was talking about, yeah. she she has the idea of trying to make like uh, an EP of some sort yeah. or like a little mixed, like a six or seven song mixtape where a handful of bands cover each other's mm-hmm. tunes, you know? And yeah. I'm game for that too, you know? Yeah. That's, I, uh, that's kind of what I started this in my head because then uh, Kobe hit me up out of nowhere and... I want this song. I'm like, okay, uh, then give me that song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I mean, I haven't spent <laughs> any time arranging the song he sent me, but yeah, but you're married with a kid. So but, you, you know, you got stuff going on. You got excuses and they're actually viable. Not like me where I'm just like, I'm busy. And it's like, Ooh, no, Seinfeld you, marathon. Yeah. <laughs> you guys came over and I was watching Seinfeld and it's, it's Thursday afternoon. It's not like barely even afternoon. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a very busy person. No, I uh, I do got to say a uh, shout out to you guys for driving up here to, to be on the podcast. You guys know I would have driven down, but we do have some other business to take care of as far as the Betty stuff goes. So we're going to iron some of that out after this episode. Um, we have talked about most everything I've got on here. Um, we got the new album coming out. It's got six songs on it, self-titled EP. It's available for purchase and listening right now on Bandcamp, uh, threefingerbetty.bandcamp.com. More places coming soon. Um, as far as I know, we're going to go the distribution route that will allow us to put it on mm, everything. So like, you should be able to be in China on Chinese social media listening to this. Use our songs in your Instagram videos. Yes. Yep. Make TikTok dances to all the good stuff. I don't even know... I would love to see somebody pick one of our songs and do something goofy with it, but uh, there's plenty of goofy stuff that could be done could be with done. plenty of the songs, let's just say that. Uh, actually, I did go through and uploaded the lyrics to the EP on the Bandcamp page as well, so you can go to the Bandcamp page, 
and find the lyrics to the songs um, on there. So if anybody wants the lyrics, I know that I want to say uh, Morbo was, yeah, was hitting us up was about the it. lyrics. He's like, we need the lyrics. I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> we'll put them we'll up there. We'll get there. So we got those up there. Um, Jeffy's gone, unfortunately. So we are looking for a bassist, but we are uh, also trying out some bassists. Yeah, we got an audition, but, you um, know. Nothing nailed down yet. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we got an audition. There's another person that said they wouldn't mind auditioning, and they're learning our material. So if you guys want in on this, you play bass. Even if you play guitar and you want to do bass in a band or something, if you are reliable and you will show up to shows... And you won't just like yell at everything about everybody about all this nonsense because we're pretty even keel, easygoing guys. So we're we're not anti uh, drinks or anything, but uh, don't be drooling on yourself. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> Do whatever you want, but uh, keep your composure a little bit <laughs> and have good equipment. Yeah, please. That's, that's preferred. Yes. Yeah, have yeah. some decent gear. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll loan you semi-okay gear. It's not decent or great, but I can loan you okay gear if you at least have a car, like, <laughs> responsible enough to get places on time. Oh, my gosh. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, 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 miss, I miss Jeff already. Uh, uh, the next thing I wanted, I wanted to be like, well, we're going to record something here. We got so much more material to record. Now we need a new bassist, unfortunately. So there, there will be new music coming, but... I don't think it'll take too long to get a bassist. Nah, I don't. I don't think so either. Um, but there has been a lot of like uh, turnover. It seems like in the music scene, there's been a lot of bands that have been changing slowly uh, over the last few years. And I don't. I don't know if some of it has to do with COVID wearing people down finally, and or I don't know. I'm just not 100 percent sure. All right. Yeah. No comments. No stuff. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> Uh, you can find us on social media at Three Finger Betty. Uh, YouTube is, well, I guess there's no direct YouTube link, but you can find us by searching Three Finger Betty. We're on there. Uh, John and Clint, you got anything you want to add to this episode before we smash the door shut on it? Thanks for digging us. Yeah, hope thanks you like for the listening. Record. Yeah, keep, spread it far keep, and wide. Keep uh, if you like it, show it to your friends. Yeah, yeah, word of mouth actually is actually the best still. Like I, I mind blown that it is, but it is, it works a thousand times better than just sending someone an invite to like the page. Oh yeah. Or, uh, the classic, like here's a video I made and it gets like 20 likes on Facebook, but then it only has like two views and it's like, Oh yeah. Appreciate that. Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, that happens. I mean, it's a, it's a crazy world out there with like lots of stuff to watch. Everybody's creating new content all the time. So, I mean, we're not the only ones to drop an album this year during COVID either. I mean, TV nope. Cop did it. Sleepover did it. Um, if Sleepover didn't do it, it was, you know, right, right before. before. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of us that went around the, you know, this time frame. And I don't think we could have picked a better time to release the album. It feels like every song and everything fits perfectly for the <laughs> yeah, narrative. Yeah, the artwork, yeah, everything. <laughs> it all just fits so well with what's going on right It was all made before any uh, of this shit uh, went Our down. EP is just a little gas on the top of the fire. <laughs> yeah, no uh, John and Clint, appreciate it. Thanks for joining me. No problem. Yes, indeedy. Oh, yeah, it's fun to have a couple of your buddies joining you on the podcast. Uh, buddies indeed those two if it wasn't for them like I said in the intro I wouldn't really have much going on these days 
So, uh, hey, you know, it's it's Clint pretty much that I started my musical journey with, and here I am still journeying around with him. So hats off to you, Clint, and uh, John for writing all the awesome material that we hear in Three Finger Betty. He is uh, the brains behind it. This is, you know, 99% his brainchild. This is, he comes up with ideas and, and spins them off of us, and then that's pretty much what he, you know, that's that's Betty right there. It's, uh, it's his baby, so if you guys like what you hear, uh, tell John hi at the next show and tell him you loved it. If you guys haven't heard the new album, go to Bandcamp and check it out. I think it's, uh, no, I know it is. It's threefingerbetty.bandcamp.com. If you guys don't want to type that out, just scroll down into the description section. It's down there. It's down in the descriptions. You can just click the link and you can check out the new album. There's six songs. A couple of them are re-recorded, but uh, you know what? It, they, ch- they changed. They changed just enough from the earlier versions that it ended up being a new thing of its own, even though it's the same song. So check that out. It will be available for streaming everywhere, maybe even by the time this podcast comes out. Maybe not. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess. We'll see. We'll have to see. If you guys are wondering, maybe check it out. Otherwise, uh, check out Three Finger Betty on Facebook. We I'm sure we will announce when it goes live on all of the platforms. Um we're going to do all the platforms everyone else is doing plus as many as we can find so check it out we're gonna we're gonna have that going three finger betty there's merch available at the band camp as well there's social media find it down below click on it enjoy it i hope you guys like the new ep it was a long time in the making and i'm glad it's finally out there and now it's on to the next thing i guess so check that out If you're looking for more Audible Farm goodies, you can find it at audiblefarm.com. There you will find links to everything, including the Patreon page where there are video versions of this podcast. You will also find a link to the Audible Farm shop. You can find it at shop.audiblefarm.com. And you can find all the Audible Farm goodies there. There's stickers, t-shirts, and hoodies available and that Patreon page. Those are the two best ways to support Audible Farm. Otherwise, word of mouth. Just tell, t- tell someone about a cool episode you heard, or if you guys, this is your first episode you've listened to, uh, scroll back through and check it out. I've done another episode with Clint. He was actually the very first episode I did, and uh, I've done a couple episodes with John before. So check those out. There's some in the past. I almost guarantee you there's somebody you know in, in the episode catalog here. And if not, get to know somebody new. So, hey, I got to say thanks for listening. I hope you guys uh, enjoyed the episode, and I hope you guys enjoyed the album if you listened to it. And if you haven't, go check it out. We worked really hard on it, and I'm pretty sure you'll enjoy it. So check it out. It's uh, threefangerbetty.bandcamp.com. It's in the description section down below. If you really like it, you can toss us uh, $5, and you can have the digital copies. We do have physical versions on the way. Once again, uh, follow us on all the social media. We will keep you posted on that. So we'll check you guys later. Peace.